Welcome to this week's extra film segment for August 14, 2020. I'm Ryan McQuaid. And I'm Jay Ledbetter. Thanks for coming back to the show, guys. For those of you not familiar with extra film, this is something we do every Friday, where we get together and we talk about the small films, the indies, or the classics that we normally don't have time for on the main show. And on this week's show, we will be starting our David Fincher movie series with Alien 3. And in the back half of the episode, we will be reviewing the latest indie horror, She Dies Tomorrow. Brand new movie series. I'm pretty excited about it, Jay. How about you? It's a big day. It's a big day. I'm very excited going from one David to another. I gotta be honest, I was I was all out of lean on that last episode. I, I was just kind of done. There were there were some movies that I absolutely loved, and then there were some movies that were the worst kind of movie for me is one where you're sort of like, eh. And he had several of those movies where I was like, eh. So I'm really excited to go to Fincher here, and this will be interesting because we are both incredibly familiar with the films of David Fincher. Yes. I think if you are cinephiles of, of our age, I think you are very familiar with his work, and, and I know I certainly am, and I am already a huge fan, and so I cannot wait to rewatch all of his stuff and talk about all of them with someone because that's something that we you know you don't get to do very often unless you're one of those weird people with a podcast. So I'm uh, I'm very well, excited I get to talk with my favorite co-host in the world about uh, a great director. Wow. And <laughs> I know it touches it me. Um, but uh, no, I agree with you. I think, you know, the thing about Fincher, and I'm sure we'll get into this in thoughts, is, is that he is a guy that we all know, we all admire. We're all anticipating Mank, obviously. Mm-hmm. So uh, this movie series will be kind of a refresher on his stuff leading up to Mank. But uh, maybe we learn some new things along the way. Maybe things age. There's some well. of his movies that I've only seen once. Yeah. I think. So yeah. it's been a while since I've seen some of them. So I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, I'm looking forward to also talking about She Dies Tomorrow. Um, this, this thing has been, you know, raved about. A lot of people like it. A lot of yeah. people don't. Yeah. It's kind of a, one of those where on the spectrum do you lie kind of movies. And uh, I'm interested in talking to you about the, both of these selections tonight. It's kind of a dark episode. For us, usually we're very light. Well, or... I'm sure a lot of them will be dark when we're doing our Fincher <laughs> series. So th- this is an appropriate start to to everything. Yeah, that we'll that's be doing that's over very true. It's not like uh, you know David. Fin- Man, if David Fincher ever made a musical, that would probably be the darkest musical on the planet. I think. Well, it's, uh, I mean, Benjamin Button's not super dark. Just the just the way it looks is, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while. So, I, like I yeah, said, when same. we talk about that movie, I don't know. We'll most of his. That. I mean, he's most. You mostly know him for stuff like Seven and. Fight Club, where it's just the most cynical. Uh, we're back to cynicism, Ryan. I love it. We're back right in my wheelhouse. We're back Let's in your wheelhouse. Oh, I know you love cynicism, and I know our listeners love it when you are also very happy, Jay. So, you know what? Why wait any longer? Without further ado, let's get into it. And here we go.
you're listening to the In Session Film Podcast Extra Film segment. Jay, I'm telling you, it's here. Ryan, I'm standing right here by the sewer drain. Pennywise the Clown is nowhere to be seen. At 0800 hours, prisoner Murphy, through carelessness on his part, was found dead in vent shaft 17. He seems to have been sucked into a ventilator. At about 2100 hours, prisoner Gollick reappeared in a deranged state. Prisoners Boggs and Reigns are missing. There seems to be a good chance that they have met with foul play at the hands of prisoner Gollick. We need to organize and send out a search party. Volunteers will be a priesthood. I think it's fair to say that our smoothly running facility has suddenly developed a few problems. I can only hope we are able to all pull together over the next few days until the rescue team arrives for Lieutenant Ripley. It's here. You got Clemens. Stop this raving at once. I'm Stop telling it. you. It's here. That was a clip from Alien 3 or Alien Cubed or Alien to the Third Power, whatever we're going to call this movie, that was directed by, of course, David Fincher. And it stars Sigourney Weaver, Charles S. Dutton, Charles Dance and Larry Hendrickson. And this movie is, of course, about after her last encounter, Ellen Ripley crash lands on Fortina 161, a maximum security prison, where a series of strange and deadly events occur shortly after her arrival. Jay, this is the first film in our David Fincher series. And what a one to start off with. We're actually starting with a sequel here. Of all things that started Fincher's career. His first movie is a sequel. sequel. In the same vein as as your boy James Cameron directing Piranha 2. We're not talking about that blowhard. But actually, we might be. We might be a little bit, to be honest. We're going to talk about uh, it for sure. Jay, we got a couple of things we got to do here. Opening statement-wise. So I got to get your thoughts on David Fincher as a director and your expectations for this series. I got to get your thoughts on the first sure. two Aliens films because I know you rewatched them in anticipation for, as did I, for as did you, this Ryan. review of Alien 3. I want to know of any prior experience you have with this film and what you thought of Alien to the Third Power, Alien Cubed, as we're going to call it throughout this episode. It's what it says on I mean, the poster. That's what it I mean, says on the poster. But can't, can't hold it. You can't. You can't hold it. You're not me. wrong. You're not wrong. You're yeah. just saying it how they wrote it, which I respect. But as for David Fincher, I have to say, I mean, he's a very important director for me as far as establishing my cinephilia. Um, he's a great sort of introduction to auteur, even though he's interesting because he doesn't much like Robert Altman and some of David Lean as well, but mostly Robert Altman, who we covered a couple of series ago, Robert Altman does not get credited for his scripts that he writes. Mm. You know, he gets these stories and then he Robert Altman's him up as he goes. And that, as far as I can tell, is sort of the same vibe I get from Fincher, which is he gets these scripts, some of them, you know, almost every David Fincher movie, you could see how it could be a, completely dismissed as some sort of traditional run of the mill type of movie, you know, like seven sounds like every other nineties thriller on paper, but it's not, it's a David Fincher movie. And obviously that's not the movie we're talking about today, but 
that goes for so many, so many of his scripts. And uh, what he is able to do is take them and make them entirely his own, presumably because he does stuff very much on the fly, like some of the greatest directors of all time have, especially the guys who don't write their own scripts. And what that what became of that was that he, for a while, was making movies pretty consistently. And the problem was he's not the easiest guy to work with. So it's a little more difficult for him to make movies at this point. But he's um, a really important director for me, just you know, being of a certain age. And he's an easy guy to figure out, oh, he's got a style. He's an auteur. And we'll talk about how unique that is and, and really does it hold up in the ways that um, you know, is it as good as we thought it was when we first saw them? Cause that'll be really interesting because again, he does have these kind of primal pulpy sensibilities that I'm interested to dig back into and see if they have the, the, the heightened ideas and the uniqueness of style that I remember them having. So that's going to be the interesting part of all of this, because as of now, He's one of my guys. I mean, in that movie director draft that we did for the Patreon, I believe he was my fifth or sixth round pick. I mean, we're talking about a guy that I love. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to get, get this thing going. As far as the Alien series goes, you mentioned it there at the beginning. We both have rewatched Aliens, Alien 1, mm-hmm. and then Aliens as well. And Alien has always been just stone cold, flat out masterpiece for me, the claustrophobia of that movie, the direction from Ridley Scott, as far as seventies sci-fi horror, I think that really started its own subgenre and still may be the peak of it. There, there are some that are right there. You, know, you have stuff like the thing and some others, but I, I think alien is a, a, a true masterwork from, from Ridley Scott. And then, Seven or eight years later, they came out with Aliens, which was a movie that I always was kind of like, I like this, but it just feels a little dumb to me. And then when I rewatched it this time, I appreciated the craft more than I have before. And I love I think some of the 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 practical effects, the puppets in that movie, I think are incredible. The Alien Queen is unbelievable. But at the end, I did just end up kind of thinking this is technically marvelous, but kind of dumb. And the the characters are a little bit cardboard cutout for my liking. So aliens for me is still kind of a mixed bag. And so going into alien three, a movie I had never seen before I was, you know, and everybody says there are so many people who call aliens like stone cold masterpiece, absolute action, like the peak of eighties action cinema. And for me, it just didn't quite get there because it was stuck in between the the philosophy and and the 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 just high quality. Obviously, the craft of aliens is great as well, but the the, the craft of alien I think is a step above. I think the thoughtfulness of alien is a step above. And so, you know, everybody says, "Oh, Alien Three is you know an absolute mess." And going into Alien Three, I was like, "Oh, well, it'll be you know we're just going to be continuing down this downward slope." And I'm probably not going to like Alien 3 very much, but we'll see. But then here we go. I watch Alien 3, a.k.a., like you said, Alien Cubed, a.k.a. Alien to the Third Power. Why does David Fincher have the stupidest 
movie titles with numbers in them between Alien Cubed and Seven with a seven in the middle. I guess what is it? Seven. I guess that's the title of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. But but Alien 3 is a movie famous for its fraught production. Fincher does not like to talk about it anymore. As far as he's concerned, this movie is completely removed from his memory. So that was kind of everything that I knew about this movie. And the studio, when it was made, was... Uh, the studio was actually very scared of making a third Alien movie in the first place. And they hired Fincher who was at that time 27 years old. Can you imagine taking on the alien franchise at 27 years old, a 27 year old guy who was known almost exclusively for music videos and commercials. And they hired him because they thought they could Mm -hmm. totally push him around and make the movie that they wanted to be made, not conform it to any one director's visions. I mean, there were, there were a ton of huge directors that were, on board for the movie for a little while and then couldn't end up doing it. Ridley Scott kind of wanted to do it, but he always has so much stuff going on that, that he couldn't make it work. But he was apparently Fincher was Fincher was apparently followed by producers all over the set. They were his shadow basically. And the film began filming when there was nowhere near a complete script and scenes were filmed one day and then scrapped the next day And there's a story that apparently it was so bad that Fincher actually just completely started wailing on his desk with a knife. I don't I don't really know what the story behind that is, but my guess is that there's a a really, really good one. I don't know what the context was, but I, I guess my guess is that there is more story than there than they are letting on. So my thought was, you know, this film has to be an absolute mess, right? Well, in my opinion, anyway, it turns out not so much whatsoever. And I watched the assembly cut, and I, I think you watched you watched the original cut, right? Ryan? I watched the original cut. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I, I was gonna try to get around to the assembly, and I just I ran out of time. Yeah, I only. But I, it's like I wanted to watch a movie twice, and you know, no, that, that's fair. I was originally going to do the theatrical first, and then the assembly, but I ran out of time to do both, and I'm glad I watched the assembly first. That is okay. allegedly closer to Fincher's vision. Although even he, though he st- didn't, uh, he'd st- no, he did not. He and he never will do a, a true director's cut because again, he is nope. completely yep. forsaken. He w- this they, movie. He, they asked him and he said, y'all can do whatever the hell you want with it. It's not my yeah, problem. I'm wiping and my hands they, clean of this exactly. movie, but it turns out Ripley this movie this movie's good. It's like really yeah. good, like really freaking good. It's far from perfect to be sure, but I think the film grapples with ideas in a far more sophisticated way than its predecessor, Aliens, which I know, Ryan, you will uh, like hearing that as the James Cameron hater. I think my oh, hottest take of this good. entire series will be that I think Alien 3 is better than Aliens. So mm, you think? there we go. And I think we have two people on the podcast that you can write hate mail to for that one. So... Um, we're on the same page there, Ryan, but alien three, I think ratchets up the dread of the first two alien films by coding it in this thick layer of perversion, which is something that we're going to talk a lot about with David Fincher. My favorite Fincher quote (laughs) is, I think people are perverts. That's the foundation of my career. (laughs) It's an incredible quote and also entirely fitting. And all of the alien films are really about how the real evil is, the quote unquote company whose disregard for its employees or humans in general 
exacerbates every tense situation throughout the series. I think the perversion of Fincher uh, is ratcheted up in this movie by making the location a colony of exile for violent sex criminals, all of whom are male. I mean, he's making that perversion that he's talking about extremely literal. And then in comes Ellen Ripley, one of the great movie protagonists and also the first woman that these men have seen in a very long time. And all of these men are now practicing celibacy, trying to better themselves. And the dread provided by the sexually charged inmates, the newly sexually charged inmates is just as palpable as the dread of the film's alien. And, and that is a sense of danger that could be lurking around every single corner. And, and what species that danger might be coming from is the true question. It could be four guys trying to rape Ridley, or it could be an alien trying to kill everyone in this camp. And I really appreciate one thing I love about it. I appreciate them going back to one alien as opposed to aliens where there was just this army of aliens. I, I find the idea of one alien stalking them far scarier. And I, and I think it allows more time to slow down, flesh out the characters and the themes of the film. There's ideas in this film about religion, sexuality, and death thrown around throughout the movie. And I don't think all of them are covered entirely successfully, but the ambition of the film, I think, is very, very admirable. And much of the film's imagery is striking, and the set design, I think, is awesome. I think it's absolutely impeccable. Even if some of the action sequences involving the alien chasing the inmates are less than stellar. And we'll talk about those because I, I assumed throughout the film that it was really bad CGI, but then I, I kind of read into the movie a little bit. It's actually the alien is on a pole, like a rod and they're pushing it in front of a blue screen, but either way it looks quite bad, not great at all. I think your enjoyment of the film does rely a little bit on your adoration of aliens, which clearly we are not huge fans of, but the film's opening does have this reveal that undermines a lot of what happens at the end of Aliens. But as someone you know who's who's not huge on Aliens, I like it. I think it's a good movie, but I I don't love it. Um, I I thought it was a more than welcome introduction because of the certain characters that we no longer have to deal with at the beginning of the film. But you know, in the end, I was just really into this film. I think it's bleak, it's dreary, but it's a movie I found to be incredibly exciting in in many ways, technical and thematic, even if. Maybe it was entirely by accident. I don't know. But I I really dug Alien 3. Yeah, Jay. No, that is uh, good to hear. So as for my thoughts on David Fincher, I think it's going to echo a lot of what you said. I think for a lot of film lovers and and enthusiasts that grew up in the 90s and then, um, you know, are, are sort of our age bracket, David Fincher is one of those directors that introduced you know, us to kind of more highbrow cinema, you know, and, and got us in because of, you know, various films, whether it's seven or Zodiac or this movie or fight club being one for so many uh, people. And um, I, I know Fincher, you know, very well due to also movies like Benjamin Button and then social network, I think hit me right around in high school. And um, I'm very interested and cannot wait to dive in and talk to you about that, Jay, because Social Network is is one of those films that I've never actually been able to talk to anybody about. And that's that's the thing about this series is you and I have seen a lot of these movies, 
but we haven't really given our thoughts on David Fincher. You talked about him briefly when you picked him in the draft, but we've never actually talked about Fincher. And I thought that it's interesting because I think he is a very interesting director. Yeah. He is, and on paper, I think, one, he's more of a Jay guy than a Ryan guy, I gotta say. I like Fincher a lot. I really do. No, no, like, I'm saying on paper. On paper, in, yes, in, but I love Fincher. I think yes, Fincher. No, I'm not denying you, you know, love of Fincher. I'm just saying he's he's he feels he's got more all like the a you pick. Yeah, I guess so. Feeling my dark twisted alley. <laughs> hey, I like dark twisted movies just as much as anybody. So don't don't get me wrong here. I'm not Mr. Fluff over here, um, I, and I do like a lot of Fincher's work, and and so I'm so excited to go down this rabbit hole. And see a film that I had actually never seen before. I had never seen Alien 3 mm-hmm. all the way through. It's just one of those. I'd seen Resurrection. I'd seen, um, you know, Alien, the original, and I'd seen Aliens. Um, so in order, I guess, to get to Alien 3, I should do what you did and, and talk about the other films in this franchise that came before, which is Alien, the Ridley Scott film, which is one of the best films of all time. I mean, like it's, it's a top, I don't know, 30, 40 film for me. And every time I watch it, each time I watch it, I pick up so much more each time. It's so layered. It's so interesting. The mythology of it, the pacing, the world building that Ridley Scott does in that movie is out of bounds for the time period in which it is, is brought to us. I mean, it's so ahead of its time, I think. You know, we talk about 2001 and we talk about Star Wars. Aliens right there for me in terms of modern filmmaking and being one of the greatest blockbusters of all time. And then there's Aliens, which Let's takes just, everything Listeners, you can skip ahead about 3 minutes. Subtly here. beautiful and deeply emotional and interesting and everything I love about Ripley and utterly destroys it in the second film. It is not a movie for me whatsoever. It is my constant problem with James Cameron where the action, he thinks action is the most interesting thing about his movie. And that is not the case. Alien is this, you know, and, and that's why I, I like, Ridley Scott's approach, and I like Fincher's approach here, and I'll talk about that here in a second, because they dive into the mythology, they dive into the internal struggles, and in Aliens, I don't feel a lot of that. I feel the bang bangness. I feel the a, bl- I mean, explosions more. Movie, basically, yeah, it is so not what I want. And when you watch Alien and Aliens back to back, the tonal shifts of those movies are so different. I actually like the idea of that, but it's it's fine like on aliens, paper. But I I mean like like Mad Max and Road Warrior are completely different movies. True, but they are made by the same filmmaker and the and George Miller's doing something he, that's his baby. He, if he wants to change it up, I think ultimately with those Mad Max films, they still feel within their same universe. They still feel, you know, in essence they feel like the original but they don't feel devoid of what the original goals were, which is telling the stories of Max. I don't think Aliens is anywhere near trying to tell the interesting story or a great follow-up for Ripley. And for me personally, I just, from the get-go of that movie, it just takes me out. And it does, 
the score is so heightened. The, the action is so over the top. It feels so commando. You know, it feels like I'm waiting for Arnold to show up. Like she's actually going to fight Arnold more than she's going to fight an alien. I do think the big alien at the end of the film is a great setup. Like, I think that that's a, a real, you know, the, cool what is puppet. it? The queen. Yeah. The, I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great kind of, you know, design, design. and, and it's a, it's uh, a just very well designed movie. Oh, it, that is the only good thing I like about it. Plus it, James Cameron has this thing where he cannot cast child actors very well. And it shows no, a lot in that movie. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a problem I have with Road Warrior as well as the child. Although I think uh, Feral Child is, is a lot better than Newt. Not not a yes. huge fan of Newt, gotta say. Not, not, a, not a Newt fan. But, so I, I was like you. I, 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 I was like, God, Aliens really has not aged well. So I pray to God Aliens 3 is going to be good. I'd never seen it. I'd, I'd heard so much about it because, I mean, this is the movie that it kind of almost broke Fincher and, and the studios almost broke on him. And, and, and it, it almost like built Fincher more than it broke him. It, to me, he, it feels like it, it started establishing the legend of difficult Fincher. Yeah. But at the same token though, like to not want to talk about one of your films that must have to break you from talking with studios. He's never been someone to work well with the studios. Um, which is probably why his well, next no, film's that's, going to... That's why it's to, been six years since he made a movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's had how many projects that have been you know, because, started and I mean, cut? Netflix, started and Netflix cut? will let you make whatever you, you want. Whatever you want. It's like yeah, the so perfect... Yeah, Mindhunter. Pl- yeah, it's the perfect place for you, and he gave you two seasons of that. But um, I, just, I just wondered what this movie was, because it is one of those infamous, you know, notorious... Movies that everyone talks about. Oh, it's been destroyed and blah blah blah. It's you know what it is, Jay. It is the Snyder, you know, Justice League of its time, baby. That's what this. That's what this movie is. That it's, is a. It, uh, it, it is. I mean, you have people. I, I you like have that. books. You have podcasts. You have all these things talking about it. You have a director that was destroyed by the studio. You know, and 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 he. You know, kind well, of the situations pit, you know, of Snyder leaving that movie are very different. Than- they're very different, I understand, but they're very similar in terms of there's an entire new cut being built of that movie, and there was an entire new cut of this, and you know, originally, like in a way, like you know, Fincher is Whedon, and also kind of, and also kind of Snyder in a way, because like he doesn't want to talk about the property, and yet he shot everything. Well, it's, maybe, and it's his I mean, baby. what's it? It's more like solo yeah maybe i get yeah solo is another good comparison you know but but still it's one guy this is all one guy so it it's fascinating now that it turns into two guys this is very much it's still both of them it's his stuff he shot everything and so to get into the movie i dug the hell out of this thing i actually really like this movie yeah um We're on the because same it feels more along the lines of the tone and yep. the of dread the of the first one and the way that the alien incorporates itself amongst this while also having some sort of social, but also interesting dynamic between all the characters in Ripley. That's what I really like about this movie and what I like about alien. Let's use hang out with the characters, yes. you know, eating lunch. Yeah, Whereas, you get yeah. time to build characters here instead of just I'm gonna 
go and blow up things and you know destroy Which all is the fine, ends. and that stuff is very well done but it's just not as it, it may be for you but it ain't for, for me. me yeah exactly and so i think weaver's extraordinarily good i think that charles dance is really good and i just i like how what i love about this movie too it also just throws away everything from aliens. It really does. It's just like from the get go, they're like, yeah, it pretty aliens, much murders aliens in the first aliens. Scene is like, yeah. nah, this is never what we were in. We didn't want to go that way. Like we're getting rid of all that stuff. And I love it. Cause it puts it on a blank slate and they were originally going to have Ridley Scott do this movie and they just could not get his schedule and money yeah. to yeah. work out for him to do it. And then they were going to take this and make it over like two parts. That was what their goal was. They were going to have, I think basically what he's been trying to do now, which is take all that mythology and all that. Yeah, you were talking you know, history about the mythology. Do you like the new Ridley Scott movies? I do. I do like those movies. I, I, I they because they fit well within, you know, what I think Aliens is, which is Alien and Alien to the Third Power. You know what I mean? Which is these? Yeah, I just bought. Tone- I just bought the the Scott ones again. I'm gonna watch them. Yeah, and, doing, and now, that, now that I'm doing the whole watch through, I just want to watch the. the I, I mean, the I like Prometheus. Well. Never seen Res- Resurrection. That'll be interesting. Yeah. I, oh, oh boy, that's a bad movie. <laughs> uh, but this movie, I just think, is so interesting. It it does have a lot of these interesting angles in terms of this prison, right, and where these men are at, and how she is, you know, she is this woman this object and they've kind of banned women from there uh i know that reading up on this they they talked about it being sort of like uh an aids allegory a social allegory for everything that was going on at the time um you know while this was being made and being developed and everything i find that stuff interesting but what i really like about this movie is david fincher's direction i think that the way he designs the running and the 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 camera and the motions of the of how the camera falls along as you are like on a theme park ride it feels like mm-hmm. as the alien is going to attack I really crew like members. the first person alien stuff when mm-hmm. it goes to third person with him scuttling along you got to say that looks a little rough it does the the special effects in this movie are rough i think There's the no- alien when it's just kind of stationary look yeah. it's never looked better i don't know it's I don't clean it's it, but it's also dark and it's it's you know well, it has that it has, i mean stuff. it has the second most iconic shot of the alien franchise i think which is when ripley is cowering in fear and the alien comes up and extends its little inner mouth yes yeah and that's incredible visual it's awesome yeah I, I, well i mean even though i don't like aliens i would say maybe that's the third because then it's get away from her you bitch you know what I mean? That that would be but up that's there. A, and that's the, a line, not an the, image. Yeah, but well, her like in the thing and walking and, you know, it's a it's Maybe, very gifable. I, I, I feel you like. You know what I mean? And I the like chest the, burst in the, the first image film, of, obviously. Of Ridley and the, or, I feel like the image of Ripley and the inner mouth, I feel like it's sort of an encapsulation of what that entire series kind of means. I mean, yeah. the chest burster is number one. Yeah. Uh, and then I would say the the second best. I mean, maybe this is, is because this? you and I don't love aliens. But, yeah. Um. But but that shot for me is just gorgeous, and and it 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 really does for me capture what I love about the Alien franchise. No, I no, I totally agree with you. I think it, it's such an it's such an interesting shot, and it's also it's so dark and yet very intimate. Well, that whole scene is know? awesome. Like it's yeah. I mean, like 
the whole thing it's it's just so fincher you know you have this character right on the it verge is. It still of does the feel like a fincher movie right even though it, it really entirely, does and you saw the you saw the theatrical cut and you still think yeah. that, so i still think so i mean like Maybe it, I don't know. I saw some version on on HBO that was really really good. The HBO Max, the new streaming service that they got going mm-hmm. on, and they had this on there. Actually, I think they had all the Alien movies on there. The first three. I don't know if they had Resurrection, but I, I watched them just all back to back. And 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 just seeing this movie, I think it's it's just so refreshing to kind of go back to that tone from the original. To feel that dread. And also, too, even I think this is even more scaled back and the dangers even heightened in this one because of the fact that there's really not a lot of weapons. You know, they're kind of having to. No, yeah, that's a huge part of it is that they don't keep weapons in the prison. Yeah, they're very, there's no weapons there. It's kind of peaceful, even though it is a prison and, 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 you know, she. Well, they're trying course, to. They're they're trying to reform. It's it's almost like a cult as much as it is a prison. Exactly. Yeah. Which is because then there's like the surgeries and and that brings in the Charles Dance character and everything. You know. So it, you are right. That's absolutely a great great thing to say, Jake, because it does feel very cultish, but it also feels like a brotherhood. You know, this mm-hmm. bond of these of these men trying to. You know, rid themselves of temptation. It's very biblical almost. Don't at they, times. Don't they like make they, it clear that the people there are like genetically predisposed to be sexually violent? Is that part? I think that it's something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, there is a reason why they don't have women there, you know, and that they've taken vows and, you know, they've, they've, they've done their best to stay celibate. I mean, there are those scenes where they, there are guys that are trying to attack her. And so, there, there is this sense of even a danger amongst the the men she's trying to work with to survive. There's two dangers she's really having to face. It's it's these men of this of this you know kind of prison planet. It feels like, and then of course the the alien itself, and then of course you have the bureaucratic stuff that is attached to this entire franchise where she just <laughs> Ripley just cannot catch a break from <laughs> these guys who want to keep doing the worst thing possible, which is to try to take samples of this alien. And it is the yeah, ongoing they just want to monetize the alien. Yeah. And it's the ongoing thread throughout this entire series. And the one thing I do like about the alien series is that man will never know that, or, or, or really man will never learn the mistakes of their past and seeing it over and over again. If you don't have new people in charge, if you don't have things changing, they're just going to keep repeating. And to the point where Ripley has enough by the end. And Oh yeah. I mean, I, I I think the point is that the corporate overlords will never put their employees over profit. The, the first alien movie is about negotiating a raise. That that's what the first alien movie is about. They're like, we're, we're really in danger here. Like if I'm going to deal with this, you're going to have to pay me a little bit more. And, yeah. and then aliens is, you know, like I said, kind of more of a, more of a war movie, although they're still doing it in the name of, of uh, the company. And then alien three becomes uh, about the company foregoing any care for their employees by the end of the film, because it starts out as this, um, you know, prison kind of religious, story and then by the end of the movie it's like well we're gonna get that alien one way or another i don't care who we have to kill 
to get there. And then it's like, well, we've actually been planting these androids that look like a real member of the corporation to, to lull you into a sense of comfort so that you would help us capture this alien. And it becomes this very intricate corporate plot. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it is always the company that is more evil than the alien, because it seems like the alien is at least uh, acting impulsively, kind of going with its nature, whereas the company seems to be going against what many would consider to be human nature and putting profit above people, which at the end of the day is the most evil thing that happens in any of these movies. No, I, I, I totally agree with you, Jay. I mean, then you also, not along with just the corporation and her having to fight that, you have these you have these characters, I think, also, too. They are amongst the group that she attaches herself to, and they're very cold characters. I think this, of course, falls right in the Fincher's mindset of, like, there. there is a lot of coldness in this movie, and it, it reminds me of, of the original in that, you know, you have Charles Dutton's character, and, you know, he's... he's uh, Charles Dutton is... Awesome. In this He's movie. awesome in this movie. I mean, Dylan, and he gets so many of those speeches that can go so wrong if they're not done with the proper gravitas, but he has it and he nails every single one of them. And he has such a implicit level of authority to his performance that I think really rings true. And he ends up being kind of the guy who always manages to restore order in the film. He's, he's just awesome in this movie. Yeah, no, I, I, I love him so much. He, he is by the end of this movie, even though he's, he feels like at the beginning, the ultimate detractor for Ripley being around or, or, or noticing that the, the men are, are going to go absolutely enough for it. And he is the calm center of everything to try to keep the peace mm-hmm. very much by the end. He feels like the only person left there that truly wants to actually protect her and help her. No, and, I mean, and, by the, and, by the end of the movie, he's like, I need you around to kill this thing. Yeah. And that's the only reason you're still here. And, so. and to me personally, it, it feels like it feels like they, they need each other. And it, and it very much becomes like this one, two handoff by the end. And I absolutely love it. Cause it's, more, and it's, it's so, it, because they're I mean, so got, well-rounded the characters, most, the two most electric performers and also the two most well-rounded characters. That's, that's when everything just sparks. And can we, can we talk real quick about Sigourney Weaver herself? I mean, let's talk about Sigourney Weaver herself. I mean, personally to me, I don't know why she doesn't have, a million Oscars in the world or all the awards in the world. Yeah. I mean, she's and the best. I don't know. I don't know why they, we, I mean, we talk about Charlize Theron so much and how Charlize Theron is able to do every genre. Uh, Sigourney Weaver paid the way for a Charlize Theron. I mean, Charlize Theron is, is badass in Mad Max Fury Road. And then she's great in rom-coms and then she's great in dramas and everything. So well, Sigourney don't, Weaver. Don't discredit your guy James Cameron with Linda <laughs> Hamilton. That's and that then is, Sigourney Sigourney is now in the James Cameron camp as well. So Well, true, but before Linda Hamilton, it was it was no, Sigourney. Ripley is kind he, of the original female action. Female hero. Badass. Yeah. And yeah. She, but beyond that, watching these three movies, I, I truly believe, especially even this one, I think that this is where she gives for me the most raw, emotional, and vulnerable performance of the three. 
I, I really oh, think because everything because there because are everything personal, stripped she away has suffered loss yeah. in this yeah. movie. In the first one, she's always kind of a pro. In the second one, she's she she has a little bit of ethos to her or pathos to her as far as you know. I've I've been through a lot, and now you're putting me in this again. Yeah. Uh, and then in the third one, it's you know, the, I don't she's even, had I don't it. even know what I'm doing anymore. Yeah. Like it it is it it feels like exhaustion it feels like by the end of the film it's a sweet release you know what i mean it is it's just like thank oh, god yeah. the ending the ending you of know? this movie is is awesome and yes my understanding is the the end of this movie in the theatrical cut does the alien come out of her stomach in the it is that does not happen in the assembly it doesn't cut. that does okay. not happen in the assembly cut okay wow because when it did come out i don't know if you you haven't seen it no, when 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 I it just comes at some out, of the differences when it when it when it came out, I I kind of smiled a little bit because I kind of thought it was that's a of, little cheesy for me. It was a little cheesy, but if, if I had, if but I had the whole seen it, maybe it not played, cheesy, but yeah, but if the whole movie's like like Aliens is a block of cheese, like that movie just feels like a block of cheese, and it feels well, like, like a Aliens movie. is like dessert. Yeah, and I I like a meal when I go to the theater. Thank you, um, and that like thing at the end i think is is like little fan servicey little it's a little, little, little winky winky it, for it's me, a will but. yeah it's a little bit like hey you know remember that thing in the first and that's fine like it's not throughout the whole movie so i can i can give it a pass um but i still have the emotional you know resonance with everything that she's gone through by the end of this movie i just think it's so well done now i will say that yeah, the, the script isn't probably the most strongest thing in the world, and it's definitely not on the level of the first Aliens, but I, I, I just, from a craftsmanship standpoint, and the editing of this movie, and from Terry, from Terry Rowlings, and, and of course, Fincher's direction, it's able to make up for probably things that I don't I don't even know why people say it could have been better. I mean, like it's a good movie the way it is. I don't know how you make it better oh, other than think, screenwriting. I still think it's kind of a mess. I, I mean, I, to me, I, I I don't know. I I I rode the waves with this thing and I came up clean on the other side. Do I think it's a perfect movie? No, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think it is a a good, if not the best alien sequel we've ever gotten. And that's that's my opinion. But and mm-hmm. but no, it's not aliens. It's not Alien, and you know it. It's definitely better than Aliens. Well, aliens, is a, aliens is a perfect. I mean, a perfect movie, right? Alien, the first one. Yes, the, the first a, one is yes, truly yeah. one of the rare perfect, perfect movies. movies. Yeah, yeah. And then Aliens, you know, we talked about it, but I think to expect this to be the masterpieces that we get in Fincher's career, this is the table setting for what is to come. The 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 angles of his camera, the cinematography, and the dark tones that you get, the into the sort of intivation with the camera and how he's able to move it around, the way he is able to get great performances out of characters um, that you wouldn't expect, out of actors you wouldn't expect. Like I said, he gets a great performance out of Sigourney Weaver. He's able to do that pretty much in every film. I don't think there's ever been such thing as a badly acted David Fincher film because the man is very meticulous. And yeah, he's a oh, great director of actors for sure. And I think the score in this movie too, by the way, is very underrated. 
And there's it's very just, good. There's so much going on here that it leaves me more intrigued. It leaves me more wanting to see it again. It leaves me going, man, that's that's what we've been complaining about for years. Like, it's not oh, a I black mean, eye. I will think about this movie so much more that I'll think about Aliens. Yeah, it's not a black eye on his career. It's actually, I, I would wish he would actually go back and watch it. I know it's probably bringing a lot of bad memories. But for me personally, Jay, watching this thing, I see the director he is going to become. And that, to me, really excites me. Yeah, I, I I think the fact that this thing is even legible based on the stuff I've read about what went on behind the scenes is a credit to his ability. And for him to be so young and be able to stand up to the studio the way he did, even though I know, I, I assume it was pretty rare that he won a battle that he was really fighting because that's just how this stuff works a lot of the time. And when they think you're a total pushover, you have to push back three times as hard. And I think that really did make him the tough director that he is now known to be. But whether this movie came about by accident or on purpose, and I think a lot of it was kind of by accident or by chance, I think there's enough of David Fincher's influence in this movie. And and I, I, I totally see where they were doing the script on the fly because there is a bunch of stuff thrown at the wall that doesn't all completely work. But it's all a bunch of really interesting stuff, and that makes it a very worthwhile movie on its own, in my opinion. And I think it all does manage to come together in ways that I find very interesting and very compelling and very thoughtful. I do think this is a a thoughtful film, even if it doesn't fully flesh out a lot of its ideas. I think there's so much going on with the characters in this film, with the themes of this film, the way that the religion of this colony is built the way that Ripley copes with the loss that she experiences at the beginning of this film, the way that Ripley experiences romance within this colony and the Charles dance character, I think has a lot going on behind him. And then the way that we no longer end up dealing with the Charles dance character and how (laughs) that affects Ripley. I think there's so many layers to the characters in this film and and that provides a lot of humanity that you would think in a movie that was thrown together as slapdash as this one, you, you would think wouldn't be there. But I think it's entirely there. And if nothing else, it's a movie that makes you think a lot and also makes you feel this sense of dread. And the, the scenes in like the labyrinth at the end of the film when they're trying to uh, trap the alien, those are very compelling um, very tense. And, and I, I think that use of the first person camera for the alien is awesome. And I much prefer that to when they actually show the alien, because again, those effects are pretty rough, but that whole sequence I think is really good. And you understand how it was like, you know, I don't know what we're going to shoot today. Do we just want to like put him in a maze or something? And, and you can see how that would happen on the set. Just like, Oh, well, this is something that we can do that will kind of give the audience what they want. But Fincher, elevates that into something that I think rises above the other films that try and do that same thing because David Fincher is just a better director than most other people. And whether he was told to do that or not, he is just good enough to make that sing. And, and and that sequence I think really works. And so much of the movie is like that. And he managed to 
punch through the wall that the studio put in front of him one way or another here, because I, again, think this movie's pretty rad. No, I totally agree with you, Jay. It, it shows that Fincher throughout even some of the worst odds can make something entertaining, thought provoking and get a positive review out of us. It's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the series plays out. But Jay, we are getting towards the end of our first Fincher review. So any more final thoughts you have to say before we wrap alien cubed up? I think my final thought will just be that I think this is the movie that most influenced Ridley Scott's two most recent alien films. Okay. I I think even some of the scenes themselves, like the alien abortion sequence in Prometheus is pulled directly from this movie. Almost that idea is pulled directly from this movie. And I, I, I love the idea that Ridley Scott does appreciate this movie because it is, like you said, more in the same vein uh, as the original Alien, much more than Aliens and uh, from everything I know, although I haven't seen it, much more than Alien Resurrection. I think there's a thoughtfulness to this movie that the first Alien has and Ridley Scott's two later Alien films have. And, and I was just really struck by the use of technology, I think, is more in line with the way that Ridley Scott used it and, and their reliance on screens and things even in the the first alien that's a huge part of the movie and it's even more important later when we have the greater technology to be able to make these screens sing and he uses like 3d models holograms and all that stuff in the later films so i think there is a similar i think there is a similar line of thinking between ridley scott and david fincher when it comes to what they love about the alien series. And that was just something I kept thinking about as the movie went on was, wow, this kind of reminds me of Prometheus or wow, this kind of reminds me of alien covenant. Just the idea that this alien would be kind of fast. And we get the first look at kind of this little baby alien that operates very much the same way that the baby aliens in alien covenant do. I think visually thematically this is far more in line with ridley scott's vision of alien which is the vision of alien that i prefer and again good movie good movie and i do think it's gone under a little bit of a critical reevaluation recently i think people are kind of coming around to this one because it's one of those movies that i'm sure when people saw this back when it came out they were like what is this this is not what i was expecting from an alien movie and it's not what they should have been expecting it's so weird and bizarre and dark but that's what makes it so good is how different and unique it is yeah no jay i totally agree with you i think it is very unique and it's it's really interesting you know, you talk about that maybe this is the influence on ridley scott's uh newer inventions uh within the alien franchise i i i I'd actually be curious to go back and see those recent films with this movie in mind, just to see how they play off. It's it'll be really interesting. If anything, I think yeah. Covenant plays really well off of this. I think Prometheus actually is is, is really trying uh, to be more like the first Alien film. And I think there's more in there than you think. And, and yeah. I think it partly is there's there's a lot of mythology in this movie that is not there yeah. in Aliens, and and that's the stuff that Ridley Scott. That's the whole reason he made those other movies. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And that's the stuff I love. I love getting into it because I think that there is really interesting, you know, rich stuff there. And that's what I ultimately liked about this movie. As for my final thoughts, I mean, like I said, Fincher 
really showed in this movie who he is going to become. And I would just really, I really would like him to actually talk about this movie Jay, because I, I have questions to ask him about certain sequences and stuff. Um, especially a lot of what he does early on in that film and showing with, without showing, showing that how destructive this alien is. We don't mm-hmm. really see this alien until we see that iconic shot of Sigourney Weaver and that alien right up in the close in the face. And then we don't see that alien again for a little while after that. I mean, there is an anticipation in showing this monster, this creature, this form of it throughout this movie. And I think that heightens the horror. And I think that that heightens, you know, the, the, the dangers around them and that it makes those sequences that are in the dark. It makes me much more as an audience member scared than anything that I was in aliens, which I just think that movie is just trying to do rock'em sock'em robots in the alien franchise. I mean, it's an action movie and it's it's an action movie. movie. And that's, not what this series is. This is about existential dread and the 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 horrors that that you know we have to have to chase. That's what I want and, from and, it, and that's what I want from it. And I totally get it from this movie. Like I said, I think Weaver's the best in the franchise. For the love of God, Jay, I implore you. I know you are a completist at heart. Please do not watch Alien Resurrection. That is, oh, a I'm g- absolutely going to watch it. Are <laughs> you kidding me? Such a bad movie. I have and, the blue. I gotta watch it. I have the, oh, the box set of the Alien if you films. Think, I gotta watch. If you think there is a step down from Alien to Aliens, wait till you see the step down from this I movie can't we wait. just it's reviewed from the to of Amelie. I expect it to be almost exactly like Amelie. Oh yeah, there's pastries and and it's all go, in go, French go, 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 and go. Uh, ha, ha, you know. But uh, it's you know, charming. Ultimately. I think this is a really fascinating movie, something that that Fincher fans can look on and and be proud. I mean, this isn't a movie that I think is bad in any stretch of the imagination. It is what it is. It is a entertaining, fun film set in the alien world, and I'm all for it. And you know, I I, I don't know I, that this movie. I don't know that I would call this movie fun. I had fun with it. I mean, I had fun with it. I mean, I have fun, though, in this Alien franchise when it's making me think, when it's making me, you know, scared of these creatures, when I'm on the edge of my seat. That's I think fine. That I, know those... what, I know what you're saying. I think we just have different definitions. <laughs> I think we do. I mean, and, and you know, I also think, too, something that I love about the film, it's cynicism. The The Aliens is a very, I feel, at times optimistic film. And doesn't really dabble into this dread and the cynicism of this franchise. Yeah, it has it has definitely the happiest ending of all of them. Yeah. This this movie ends and it ends on a on a note, you know, that is 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 the least hopeful one that you've seen so far in this franchise. I, I don't even know how Alien Resurrection exists. But <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna find that out. You'll find out, you'll let us know, and it'll be very interesting. But I believe JD Duran has seen Aliens 3. If he hasn't, then he will have some time to see it, and then he'll have some thoughts on our letterbox page at letterbox.com slash in session film. And if you agree or disagree with our takes, you can let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can leave us an email at in session film at gmail.com. Feel like we're gonna get a lot of emails over aliens. <laughs> that <laughs> <But> could be. Could <laughs> be. That might be the case. Anyway, send those to Jay. All right, coming up after the break, we will be reviewing She Dies tomorrow. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. 
Why haven't you seen To Kill a Mockingbird? I was too busy rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe films again. Why haven't you seen Mad Max? Do you know how hard it is to track down a copy of The Return of Captain Invincible? Why haven't you seen The Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Did you know that Road to Perdition was originally a comic book? Just like Goldfinger. This is Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights, and on each episode of FilmWise, my guest introduces me to a film that they're passionate about and I've never seen before, and in return, I introduce them to a comic book or superhero film that they're curious about. Find it every other week at FilmWise.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. Hello, In Session Film Podcast listeners. We take a moment to interrupt this daily programming to bring you the next best picture podcast run by myself, Matt Neglia, where Michael Schwartz, Will Mavity, Dan Chiesese, Ryan C. Showers, and a slew of others, we are all on a search to find what is going to be the next best picture winner at the Oscars. Join us on our journey as we look at foreign films, documentaries, independent movies, as well as big action blockbusters. Everyone is a contender until they are not. Be sure to listen to us on all of the podcasting networks, including iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to come check us out on nextbestpicture.com, where we also have movie reviews, weekly polls, the before-mentioned podcast, as well as a lot more content revolving around the award season. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble. Now, back to JD and Brendan. You're listening to the In Session Film Podcast Extra Film Segment. All right, Ryan, I'm really freaking out right now. It's okay, Jay. Aliens 3 is better than Aliens. Hi. How's the new house? Good. Can you come over? Uh, I can't. Are you okay? I am going to die tomorrow. There is no tomorrow for me. All right, listen, Amy, I'm really freaking out right now. I feel like you put this idea of dying in my head. Can, can you just call me back? You expecting someone? Hello, Jane. You okay? I just have this feeling I'm going to die tomorrow. But how do you know? I just know. Okay, so you don't know. That was the trailer for She Dies Tomorrow, the latest film from director Amy Simons. The film stars Caitlin Scheel, Jane Adams, Katie Asselton, Chris Messina, and Josh Lucas. Among others, a pretty deep cast on this film. But the film is about Amy, who is ravaged by the notion that she is going to die tomorrow, which sends her down a dizzying emotional spiral. When her skeptical friend Jane discovers Amy's feeling of imminent death to be contagious, they both begin bizarre journeys through what might be the last day of their lives. Ryan, this is a movie that, among certain circles, has gotten a lot of traction as one of the better films of the year. It's certainly... Not a film that I would say for everyone, but among kind of the film literati, this is kind of one of the <laughs> the more well-reviewed films of the year. So I, I was really interested to review this film and discuss it. But Ryan, I want to know from you, did this 
film make you want to die tomorrow or end it all before it was even over? So either way, I'm I'm dying. Or? Yeah, but you get to finish the movie one way. Oh, I get to finish the. Oh, okay. Well, that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, bud. I really appreciate that. Welcome. Probably a B minus on that one. I feel like death was I knocking think, at my door. I think door it's a little bit one. of a thinker, Ryan. I think you got <laughs> yeah. to think about it. Well, I think film Illuminati that you were trying to say. Not you film know, Illuminati, the film literati. That's a film that's a literati. Word. Oh, either I, either way, it sounded like you were saying film Illuminati, and I, I was know. all down for Maybe it. Maybe it is. I um, mean, if film Twitter is the film Illuminati, then yes, this this is a, a, a this favorite is among sweeping the, the film nation. Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it's interesting, Jay, that sometimes when we review movies on here, you and I, we have our thoughts pretty much set. Yeah. We have our thoughts and we have our notes and we have our stuff ready to go. And then there are nights where you and I are in the middle on something and this conversation is going to flow or this review is going to flow us in one way or the other. I think that's going to be the case tonight because I don't know what to think about this movie. I saw it last night and I've been looking forward to it. And I saw the trailer and, and it looked very interesting. It looked very uh, different than I think a lot of the films that we have talked about. This is very much an extra film movie. Yes. This is out of all the movies we've done this year, this fits right in that kind of slot, you know? And you know, at times, I thought this was the most ambitious film of the year, and I thought it was the most interesting film of the year. I also thought at times its message about death was very much like a film we had just talked about with Relic, where its message... Oh, I have some thoughts about this movie and Relic. Beat you over the head that. a little bit. But ultimately, I think its ambition beats its bluntness. And meets me in the middle where I can recommend this movie. I don't think this movie is for everyone at all. No. Like this is this no. is this is totally just it is what it is. I wouldn't recommend this on a Saturday night or a Friday night to watch. But ultimately I think there's a lot going here for it. And I think a lot of it has to do with Simon as a director and a writer. She is of course you know worked with director before that I will not talk about because there's a lot of baggage that goes with the director. Yeah, she's that been she's in the news for some bad reasons, not for anything that she did, but no, uh, not for anything that she did. I mean, you know, obviously she was the collaborator and star with Shane Carruth. There's been allegations by her of him doing some misconduct. Um, seems to have spread and and uh, seems that a lot of them might be very well true and i think she put a lot of her anger a lot of her pain into making a movie like this and i applaud her for it because well, i've listened to her i've listened to several interviews with her she's delightful she yeah she great. no she yeah she's a she sounds like a wonderful director somebody that would have a compelling interview with but it seems like she, when she was making this film, put a little bit of what happened to her in it. And I think it, it, it's, it's very heartbreaking, some of the things that, I, that are in the film that deal with a couple's relationship and, and kind of how it deteriorates and dies and 
how the couples interact in this movie are very sad and and, and it's, it's a very sad movie this is a very sad movie um because it's talking obviously about death and how it will consume all of us and but I think it's very innovative. I think it's very smart. Uh, I don't think it's as blunt as Relic or other films that we've seen this year. Um, but it does leave me <laughs> at a place by the end of this movie where I did go, huh. And I I can't say it is my favorite film of the year. I can't say it's top 10. But it's it's right up there, I think, with First Cow and one that I want to give a second chance to. Later in the right year, right up there we, with first cow. Well, I, I said on this week's main show that I was on that first I know, cow you don't is love it as much as most people. I put it on number three of my list of the year. First cow. All right. Well, you said, but this one you wouldn't but, put no, that, no, no, this no, one no. that high. No, but what I said it's on just the a show, one that you want to give a second chance. Yeah, I want to see again. Like I want to give it another chance and see if it goes up. Just like with first cow, like I want to see that movie again, Jay. Because I want to see if it'll go up as well. And I think of all the films that we've done here on Extra Film during this quarantine time, this actually might be the one that I look at first, rent again, to see if it climbs up by the end of the year, if that makes sense. But overall, I'm fairly positive on this film, even though I think it is very, very weird. It is pretty weird but you said you're a little fluid on it you're not exactly sure where you fall on it yet i am going to try to convince you to come down on the positive side of this film okay. because i like this film a lot yeah. i mean like you said it's incredibly unique you said it was very sad i think it is also quite funny in i think yeah the, the blackest of black <laughs> comedy there possibly is i mean at the end of the movie there there's this couple who is breaking up talking and She's like, you didn't even show up to my birthday party. And he's like, <laughs> my really? dad had a stroke. stroke. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> well, I think if you really cared, you would have texted me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's several yeah. things like that. That Their dynamic is actually maybe the funniest of, of anybody in the yeah. movie. And it's played for the most comedic effect as well. Yeah. But I like this movie a lot. I mean, this is this is a movie that's kind of up my alley, I think. It's not... I would say a traditional horror film in any no. sense. It's not scary. You know, there's no jump scares. It's more, it's more about of a psychological. It's about the dread yeah. of uh, confronting your own death. And mm-hmm. it's about the dread of having anxiety and that anxiety rubbing off on other people. And you brought mm-hmm. up Relic, which is a good movie to bring up when talking about this film, because <laughs> this movie does what I think Relic does not. Because you said mm-hmm. it is. There is a straightforward metaphor with this movie. Yeah. It is, this is contagious anxiety. Yeah. And that's on the most basic level what this movie is. And it happens over and over again. Mm-hmm. But this movie goes so far beyond that with its style. It's very mm-hmm. memorable style. It's again, it's very dark sense of humor. It does not hit you over the head with this metaphor, there's so much more to this film that I thought a movie like Relic lacked, which was so obsessed with hitting you over the head with that metaphor. Whereas this film shows you that, yes, there is this anxiety going on, but life is not strictly this metaphor. Life is also about familial relationships. Life is about uh, romantic relationships. Life is about marriage. Uh, Life is about trying to find the things that bring you joy, even in your most 
fearful moments in your life. And there are movies that uh, movies about death, uh, freak me out a lot. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not my favorites. Like I think Synecdoche, New York is the oh, scariest God. movie ever made. <laughs> and, and this movie did kind of remind me of that film in some ways. Yeah. And the, you know, maybe the scariest thing about this movie is, is that if you convince yourself that you're going to die tomorrow, you might, you can make that a reality. Yeah. I mean, you, you, that can happen if you want it to speak that into existence. That is exactly right. And so this idea of this anxiety consuming them and potentially, you know, taking it into their own hands because they don't want it to be out of their control is a very scary thing, a very stressful thing, but something that is maybe not to that extreme, but if you've experienced anxiety and and I certainly have, it's a weird thing. I wouldn't say that I have any sort of extreme anxiety or anything, but there have been times where I'm like, I don't know what exactly is going wrong right now, but I cannot shake this feeling. And and I, I think everybody has had that. And in this film, it's trying to show that on the most extreme level in a way that would be compelling in a narrative film. And, and I think it does that incredibly effectively. And it does that with its imagery and its symbolism. And every time the film goes into one of these, when people are getting quote unquote, infected by this anxiety. And it goes into the lights and the whispering. And the a lot of times there's the same requiem playing in the background, which is just an awesome use of music. Um, and just a great song in general, as far as like, I think it's a Mozart song. Don't, mm-hmm. don't quote me on that. I'm not exactly a classical music aficionado. But I think it all is so, it, it, it really just grabs you when that happens. And it's it's that kind of stuff that I love where, it is very disorienting, but you do feel like you understand it in this very abstract way. It's it's a movie that lets you interpret things, whereas a movie like Relic, which I am promise I'm not going to talk about again this review, but a movie like Relic <laughs> is one where it leaves nothing up to the imagination um, in its in its imagery, in its themes, in its characterizations. Nothing. I mean that that thing told you everything that it was about in every single scene. And it also didn't have the level of craft, I think, that this movie does. And at the end of the film, you know, it it never relents in its sense of dread. It does not give you this happy ending where, you know, actually they they weren't dying tomorrow and now they're all going on a picnic together. <laughs> but it also doesn't give you this very neat bow of complete sadness and and awfulness either. Because it is this idea that that sense of anxiety is not something that just begins and ends. It's something that comes and goes in waves or for some people just never goes away. And from that regard, when you're dealing with this abstract idea like anxiety, which is such a hard thing to explain, whereas I'm not going to say I'm not going to bring up Relic again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I was about to compare it to Relic again. I'm not going to do it. But when you're dealing with an abstract idea like anxiety, which, you know, is obviously a, a, a real condition that. I think everybody can ex- can say they've experienced one level or another, but when when you're dealing with that, it gives you a lot of leeway to present it in abstract ways, compelling ways, and this is a film that really takes the medium of film and makes the most of it when it comes to its metaphor, which is mm-hmm. what's so good about it. You know, Jay, you are getting me more on the positive side of this, and good movie. I, I like it's it. It's good. It's good, and and the more I'm thinking about it, the more I like it, and I do. 
I do want to talk about a couple things. And one is there was a couple movies that I was thinking about when I was watching this movie. And I was thinking about them because we reviewed them this year. I was thinking about the existential dread that Shirley has to face in Shirley. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of what those characters have to go through. I thought about three women from Robert Altman a lot while I was watching this yeah, movie. Yeah. This is a very female Those are two focused... great movies to be compared to, Ryan. Yes. And then you know what else I, I, I started thinking about? And this is going to make you very happy. I thought a little bit about Shortcuts. I thought a little bit about it from the standpoint of Hells, how yeah. this virus flows and how this... It doesn't movie, weave its way through it's these people. It weaves lives. its way through yeah. everyone and it comes back together, much like that film that I, I still don't think works 100% of the way. One of my favorite but I thought films. Of, one of, one of but the great I, American films. <laughs> but I thought about, because of the Almond series, I, I thought, man, Simons must have, or a lot of these indie filmmakers once again just prove how much they love Almond, but. I thought of three women and I thought of images also too from Robert Altman. I thought a lot of Altman here because I thought of how Altman could make a film very hypnotic and how he wasn't a master of horror, but he was a master of characters. He was a master of getting to them emotionally at every piece of their core. And we talked about him extensively in our movie. And this series. is, this is a horror movie in the same way that three women was. It's not exactly. Like horror, horror. Ex- exactly. It just is that unnervingness. It gets under your skin. This movie gets under your skin, much like this virus that spreads throughout this yeah, film. It, gets it's under horror the skin. that sticks to you more than people jumping at you from behind a corner, because this yeah. is stuff that you have to think about in your own life for because it's relatable. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like the thing about relic and I, I'm this, the last time I'm bringing it up is yes, that does have, you know, these things that are relatable. It just beats you over the head. to the It's just extraordinarily trite. It's, it's very dull by the end of it. This movie makes you feel things for these characters and you because kind it of impacts fall under this, every character very, very differently. Exactly. But you fall under a hypnotic spell by Simons and her writing and her visual style and what she's trying to do. And what she's trying to tell you is that we all at a certain point, I think in our lives, think about death. We think about our mortality. We would like to have that sort of control. Like we control most of the things in our lives. And I think that's what the characters in here are grappling with is that until the idea of death is brought up, they are living lives. Normally it is when someone brings that idea upon them is when they contemplate about it, when they think, oh, shoot, I could die tomorrow. I mean, how many of those conversations have you had in your life, Jay, where you're where you're sitting there and somebody brings up oh, look, the I'm idea of death? Contemplate on death guy. It's <laughs> yeah. not great. It's not great. And it's never and it makes you think and look up and and I think of Amy's character looking up leather jackets and urns and the idea of that what if her body was, you know, donated to make a leather jacket or like how normal she, human beings. She said, I mean, she says like, I want my body to be useful when I die. It's yeah, like exactly. the way that organ donors, movies, like a native American looks at a deer. It's yeah. like, I'm going to use every part of this deer. And she's like applying that to her own body. And it's, it's a lot. It's, I mean, a, it's lot. a lot to deal with. And it goes to that extreme 
but you also in these deep recesses of your mind are like, yeah, I get that. Like I, I would rather be useful. It's like being an organ donor, right? I mean, yeah. no, you know, yeah, that's what, yeah. you want to, you want to be useful after you die. Um, and that's, uh, heavy, heavy stuff. And that's what I like about this movie. And I'm, I'm actually coming around to liking it more as I talk about it, because I do think there's a lot going on, a lot of relatable things about the film. And it's a, a brisk 84 minutes, which is certainly yeah. never a bad thing. Yeah. Because I mean, with a lot of the films that we've discussed here over the last couple of weeks, they've been around this 70 to 90 minute runtime. Yeah. No kidding. And yeah. You're one, right about that. And I think that this movie this movie, it feels longer than 84 minutes, but it doesn't feel it in a way that feels obnoxious. No, it's very Does that deliberate. make sense? Like, yeah. It, it is a very much a slow burn mm-hmm. in the sense of that it wants to build this tension, get under your skin, under your fingernails, into your, into your body, into your soul, very much like a virus does. And then also, I mean, I've talked about the movies that I thought about, but then it's hard not to think about this movie as the unintentional first the context, movie yeah. of the no, of the exactly pandemic. Right. Yeah. Yes, I mean it was made before that, are, but it is it's made before, relevant. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, Bruce Springsteen wrote a song many years ago called My City in Ruins and it's in and that song it talks about how the city he's grown up in is is, you know, kind of destroyed and it's not what it used to be and he put it on the Rising album and that was going to be this first song that he had, and then 9-11 happened, and then that whole album is a testimonials and, and tributes to you know, fallen heroes in 9-11. This is very similar in the eeriness of that, of yeah. this movie is released in a time of the pandemic, and it's a movie about a virus consuming people to the point where they think of death and their mortality, and how many families and how many people right now are dealing with it. It is an extremely interesting film, that also is artistically one of the best of the year. I mean, this ranks up with Baby Teeth and Shirley and First Cow and oh, even the direct, Five Bloods. I think directorially, this thing is it's awesome. yeah, direct yeah. I mean, on that standpoint, craft level, it ranks up with just about anything mm-hmm. of my favorite films that I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. And you know, the acting ensemble in here reminds me of. Altman. It has maybe one or two actors that you may know, but it's mostly these character actors. And therefore, they feel relatable because they feel like average, normal people that would affect this. If you put movie stars or you put you know, people in this that, that, you know, it reminds me a little of the player, get rid of the Julia Roberts and the Bruce Willis's, right? You want to have real people. Yeah. And that's what this Although feels like. like Chris to, Messina, probably the best known actor in the movie. He's awesome. Yeah. And Messina's usually a bit player in a lot of things, right? You know, he's usually a love interest here or there, but yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's fantastic in this. And then you have somebody like Josh Lucas who comes in there and just has a couple scenes. But I mean, Jane Adams, and Caitlin Shell, I mean, they, they are they are they are the ones that carry this movie. And they are fantastic, especially Jane Adams, I think. She is super by the yeah, end of this she movie. She kind of becomes the, the thrust of the story for most of She them. becomes the glue for, you know, for because she plays the character after her own name, but she becomes the glue that ties the Amy storyline together but also with these couples and and then the the doctor played by lucas she, and everything she becomes the carrier yeah she becomes the carrier you know and i just find and then that, so, that so much crazy last scene what a all oh, of a sudden I'm, michelle rodriguez shows up and then 
that last scene when when she is in the pool is so funny. God, it's so funny in the darkest way imaginable. It is so, so funny. Yes. And the conversations they're having at the edge of the pool, all just talking about how their last day on earth, or at least what they believe to be their last day on earth. And just confronting that is you understand. I mean, they find the humor in the idea of mortality and confronting your imminent mortality, because that is the thing, because how else can we cope with something like that? This idea that we're not going to be around forever. And especially if you get this idea where not only do you think you might die tomorrow, you are convinced to your core that you are going to die tomorrow. And if you have a family, then you think about, your family losing you. And if you are alone, you think about the fact that you have been alone for your entire life. And if you have people that you have lost in the past, you think about your death in relation to them. So they, they look at it from so many different angles that make it so much more compelling than so many other writers or, or filmmakers would make it out to be. And that's, that's what's special about this movie. I think is how thoughtful it is, how thought through it is, and uh, and then on top of that, just the style, I think, is so good. You have those the sequences of like uh, collages of microscope slides and things that are very they, they give it this sense of surreality and, and they make it feel like this incredibly important, vast, universal idea. And there's also this great cut from an orange microscope slide immediately cutting to almost like Lawrence of Arabia It immediately cuts to the sunset. Um, and that's just beautiful, beautiful stuff. But Ryan, why don't you give me a final thought or two on she dies tomorrow? And then we will get on out of here. Well, it also uses this nonlinear structure throughout the, beginning yeah, of the yeah. The flashbacks and, and, yeah. and, and everything. And that again, just, you. just tell you exactly what you're thinking about when you're laying on what you think is your deathbed. It's yeah. yeah and, it's and, great. But the, it's great. It, it's these nonlinear timelines though, that makes you feel disoriented from the get go of this film and take, and does it, but doesn't take you out of it, you know, and, and it's not used as a gimmick. It, it is all purposeful and it all ties back in and it's really well done. And yeah, I think that the final, final shots of this film, you know, I think that it leads you to think interestingly, and I don't really want to go into spoilers because I think that, um, you know, I think that our listeners should see the film, but I do think that those final moments on the rocks out there and uh, the realizations of a, of a character, I find those to be interesting. And uh, it feels like, a, so, I mean, that feels like a panic attack. It feels like a panic attack, but it also feels like a realization that everything that they've been, you know, kind of going through over these last couple of days is, is just the anxiety finally subsiding a little bit, but and, still and, not and being exactly. able to completely convince yourself. Exactly. And, and for the most part, when you think of like these subject matters, Jay, you very much, the anxiety never fully goes away and something so small will trigger it. I mean, personally for me, anytime I think about it, I think about, I think about, you know, what if I left before my wife or, or my family or my parents or whatever it may be. And yeah, it, it's something that triggers it. Maybe it's, and, but it doesn't happen in cinema a lot, which is why this movie is it's, 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 I want to see it again, but it's also like, Oh, 
don't it's gonna make me think about things that i don't want to think about but i love that it's challenging you as an audience member to go that deep actually explore the existential ways of your life in order to fully understand that death is not controllable it is not something that you can you know you can put off you have to face it and it's going to be it could be a very painful experience for everyone around it could also it's 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 death and it's knocking at the door at any point yeah. and um it's how you accept that and how you handle that is really what defines you also as a person in a lot of ways and i think just going to it i mean the lighting in this movie is is just beautiful i mean the the sort of hypnotic lights of when these characters realize that they're going to face it at the dinner party right where they say i'm going to die tomorrow the line throughout the yep. film like those are just wonderful shots i mean well, they're the, just... one, the, the the first one with amy i think her facial expression changes every time the color of the lights changes yeah, it's just and it's so striking it's so it's, it's great it's so weird and yet it's so beautiful i it, it just it just reminds me a little so much of three women in like the best way with those with how those those paintings. Yeah, if you're right? if you're able to do something abstract like that and not make it feel completely pretentious, that's that's my stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, that that's the good stuff. And it just goes down to Simons, and it really also goes down to the score by the Mondo Boys, who just do a fantastic job, both as a director and as uh, you know people creating this this atmosphere of a score to have those lights there. Everything's kind of working within itself. The editing. Um, of this movie is out of bounds, I would say, yeah, to the, make I this mean, the all work. Is next level. Yeah. It's super tight, but it's also very fluid and just this whole movie. It's just not afraid to linger. No, 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 and yeah. and the thing about you know Simon says you know she worked with Caruth a lot, and she really for a lot of what a lot of people said was like really the person behind a lot of it. You know, like with that. You know, he was a name to it, but really she was just as much of the credit behind that team. And, you know, we're working on Primer and Upstream no, she's Color. Had a, she's had a very good career. She's had a very good career. And what I think... Uh, as an actress as well. Yeah. And I just what I think with this movie, Jay, it proves that maybe she just is that director and that writer that everyone has said she is because she knocks this thing out of the park and as as we have talked about it i i i've moved things up on my letterbox this is in a top 10 spot um i moved it from kind of a three and a half to a four and it could go up higher i mean it is a really fascinating psychological horror film and i really love that it gets put in more slots with more talented female directors showing that they have, you know, just as much talent as anyone else. I mean, that's what I've taken away out of this quarantine and not being able to go to theaters. And what is being released to us, Jay is the power of female cinema this year and all of our movie series. That is what I will treasure the most. And Mm -hmm. I think she dies tomorrow is right up there with some of the best that we've seen so far this year. I do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's, uh, it really takes advantage of filmmaking and, and film itself. Um, you know, Amy Simons, I, I listened to one interview with her where she said she paid for this movie all by herself. She said she paid for it with her pet cemetery check that she got because she was the wife 
in Pet Cemetery. Oh, that's right. Don't remind me yeah, that bad yeah. movie. Yeah, and oh. she was she's actually in. I don't even remember her in the movie, but I just looked her up. She's in Alien Covenant. So a nice little tie-in there as well, but she, you know, paid for this movie herself and I think that allows you a certain level of boldness. And that if nothing else is is what this movie is. It's Certainly not a movie for audiences at large. And when I started watching this movie, my wife walked in and said, is this movie all like? And I said, I'm pretty sure no. And when the movie was <laughs> over, I said, really glad I gave her an opportunity to do something else because she would not have enjoyed that. And that's fine. I mean, not every movie is for everybody. And this is a weird movie that takes its time, but... If you are looking for something that will challenge you, this is a movie that will challenge you. And there's so much more to it, I think, than what is on the surface with this very clear metaphor that it lays out. And you talked about the editing, which is something I wanted to bring up as well. Not only just the way that it blends in the flashbacks with the contemporary scenes in the film, but also within the scenes themselves the way that they cut to the characters who are infected and then to the characters who aren't and how that really establishes the different moods of those characters and then later it will linger on a person who we did not know was infected but now is in a way that makes it very clear and makes that dread very clear as well it it does a really great job of instilling in you the fear of death which is something that if if you have on a regular basis this movie will strike a very particular chord with you and it definitely did with me and i think just like you did before we started talking about it i think it was a top 10 it might even be in my top five now this is this is a movie that you can really talk about a lot and i think there is a lot to talk about with it it's a it's a really good movie. And in this weird time where we don't get many new releases, this is one of the better new releases in a long time. So if you, if any of what we have talked about feels like a movie that you might be interested in, I recommend you go check it out. If you are my wife who has never listened to the podcast, don't watch <laughs> it. Don't worry about it. But it's, um, I, I think it's a really good movie and I, I can't wait to see what Amy Simons does next. And she, you know, she's had a, Again, a really successful career as both a director and as a performer, and she's extraordinarily talented. So I, I look forward to whatever it is that she does next. But I don't think JD has seen this movie quite yet. I expect that he will eventually, and he'll talk about it on the podcast, and he would also put it up on his Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash film. And if you agree or disagree with our takes, you can let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page, or you can email us again at insessionfilm at gmail.com. All right, Jay, got to do some housekeeping before we wrap this one up. And coming up on the main show this weekend, well, they are tentatively still planning on doing Project Power, the latest Netflix film starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. If they do not do that, they will then, of course, be doing Train to Busan, Hopefully, I don't know about you, Jay. I have a personal preference. I would love to hear them talk about Train to Busan. That's such a really interesting film. That uh, yeah, but then does I that mean st- we have to cover Project Power? I don't think that that's what it means. Um, but uh, I know that 
if they don't do Project Power, at least the poll ties into Project Power this week. And that poll is, of course, about Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who stars in Project Power with Jamie Foxx. The poll question this week, Jay, is what is the best JGL performance Guy that took a little bit of a break yeah, he from did. everything. He was sitting on that third rock from the sun money for a little <laughs> while there. I was thinking more of like uh, he was sitting on that Dark Knight Rises money. No, but dude. okay, third sure. Rock from the sun, <laughs> he's still getting fat residuals on that. On he's the getting ray. some that fat show was on him and Lith- Him and Lithgow. Yep. Right? Yep. For sure. Uh, but uh, the question here is, Jay, is what is your favorite performance from JGL? I think for me... There's weirdly a clear winner when I looked at the choices. I think for me it's 50-50, a movie I really like. And I remember when I saw it in theaters several years ago, I found that movie incredibly moving, and I that was a crier for sure. And I think that's one of Rogan's better performances as well. But JGL yeah. at the center of that movie, that's another movie where you're contemplating death um, and it's a movie that is imbued with great humor. And I think he plays that. And he also experiences heartbreak, but also this budding love. So he he really goes all over the board on the emotions. And so for that reason, that's probably my favorite JGL performance. No, I think that that's a wonderful pick. I love 50-50. I think that that was a underrated film from 2011, I believe, is when that I movie I like that came movie out. a lot. I do too. It was one of the biggest surprises of the year. Yes, it is very heartbreaking, but it's also very sweet in how that movie is. Very so, vivacious you know, movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, for a movie about cancer, it 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 it, it the funniest does. cancer movie of all time. <laughs> I would not say that, but I would say that it it has a charm about it, and it also has a you know a painful sorrow about it, and a lot of that has to do with. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's performance. And yes, I do think Seth Rogen and Anna Kendrick are very good in that film. But uh, I think there's two choices for me. And one one is a little bit over the other. But I, if I had an honorable mention, it would be his performance in Mysterious Skin. I don't think you... I don't know if you've ever seen that film, I have Jay. not seen that film. No. Um, it's a, that is a very hard film to watch. Um, you know, JGL basically plays uh, a kid that was abused when he was, you know, when he was small and then turns to basically be like a male prostitute in a small town. And uh, along the way, there's uh, kind of some supernatural elements to go with it. And it's a, it's an interesting film. It's, it's, I would say his darkest performance he's ever done. It was obviously before his big kind of resurgence, Um, but it's, and it was a very independent film. Not a lot of people have seen it, but if you, do see it. I mean, it's it's not one I would recommend to watch with the family. It's very dark. Um, but I think his best performance is as Tom in 500 Days of Summer. I think, for me personally... A movie I, that people have kind of turned on. Yeah, but for me personally, I still think it's a great movie. And I... And I I know that it, you know, you have Mark Webb, who's Mr. Spider-Man, and JGL for a long time was making so many movies it felt like he was, you know, overstaying his welcome. But I do think that there is something magical about that movie. And I think, you know, it ranks up there for me as one of the greatest uh romance movies of all time because it's also very anti-romance at times. And and it's and it's such a heartbreaking film. And it's basically about a couple that, you know, really should never be a couple and a guy having to learn it the hard way. And I think, 
you know, it combines a lot of the emotional heartache that JGL can do in his performances, but then also the charm and that boyhood kind of look. As well, he's very yeah, good dancer. Yeah, the the whole um, you know Hall and Oates sequence. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just he's all over the place in good terms stuff. of charisma. There, he's fantastic in that. I would also say he's really good in Ryan Johnson's Looper. That's another one that's. Brick. Yeah, really I think he's awesome that. in Brick. And Brick too. I mean, yeah, he's he's Ryan Johnson's boy. He was. I mean? Yeah. I know he's he been was, abandoned. He wasn't in the I think he did like some weird voiceover work over the phone for Knives Out, so I think he squeaked oh, in did there. He but really? yeah, and he played like a alien in The Last Jedi, so he's in there somehow. I knew he was um, in The Last Jedi. Yeah, but uh but uh no, it's always good to see him and it'll be interesting to see if Project Power is a good movie. It seems or not. like, yeah, he's trying to get back into it. He's had that 7,500 Amazon movie this year, and yep. now this one. Not exactly the movies I would think you want to be in. But, but then he's going to be in the trial of the Chicago 7 from the right. Talking Lady this he year. Is, so yeah. that's, that's, these are the paychecks, and then that one's the award one, baby. He, he <laughs> lives on the streaming services now. Hey, you know what? Everybody does. Get the, everybody does, and you got to get the work in there somehow. But, It'll be interesting to see how the polls results are this weekend on the main show. And Jay, before we wrap it up, we got to plug what we're doing next week. We'll be continuing our David Fincher movie series to a little film called Seven. 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 Yeah, that's what we'll be doing next week. We don't have a film yet lined up with it. Um, you know, we might try to see what's out there. Uh, and what's released this weekend, but uh, we will definitely be talking about seven. Uh, some interesting takes, I believe, once we talk about that movie. But with it, that's going to do it for this week's show. Just a friendly reminder to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram again. And we do try to respond to every piece of email you send our way. And that email again is in session film at gmail.com. And please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And while you are on iTunes, please leave us a review. We always appreciate those. And as long as they're good, we always read them on the main show. So you'll get a shout out there. Our podcasts are syndicated every week at geekcastradio.com and the Lamb Podcast Network. And you can check out our Listen Now page on our website at insessionfilm.com slash listen dash now. And the In Session Film Podcast is supported by our awesome listeners like you. If you want to help us out, you can go over to our website at InSessionFilm.com and click on our bonus content tab. Jay, bring it down. Ness. <laughs> tab in our main menu to hear our bonus content for just a small donation of 99 cents. You can check out the In Session Film story. You can go to InSessionFilm.com slash donate and see all of our information there on how you can help us out. You can hear all of our amazing shows that we do on our mobile app for just a one-time fee of $1.99, you can find our app in the Amazon market for Android devices, the Windows 10 phone store for Windows devices, and the podcast source app for iOS devices. And you can see all those details again at InSessionFilm.com slash apps. All right, Jay, any final thoughts before we wrap the show up? Final thoughts. Uh, I went on vacation last week. Yeah, I heard about days. that. And it was, you know, you really don't realize how badly you need a vacation until you take a vacation. And I needed a vacation. <laughs> I think it had been a full year plus since I had taken a vacation. Ooh. I took one in, I think it was March of this year, but it was it was like right when everything hit. We were supposed to go to Vegas. We didn't get to go to Vegas. We ended up basically just staying at home, uh, which we have now done for... Uh, 
five consecutive months. So not exactly the <laughs> vacation you want, although I guess we weren't working. But the last time we really got out of town for a true vacation was almost a year and a half ago. Wow. And this wasn't even anything elaborate because, you know, you still can't do that right now. We went, we just went to the beach. My family has owned a beach house for about 40 years. We went down there and, um, you know, just hung out at the beach. And for the most part, social distancing was no problem. We went to a couple of restaurants and were, you know, 10 feet away from the closest person. We were a hundred yards away from anybody on the beach, I guess just because school's starting to ramp back up and, and all sorts of stuff like that. But the beach was awesome. Ryan's looking at me right now. I got a little red on my face. Um, got a little tan going on. Just although, rub it in, why don't you? Yeah, well, you know, I, I've, I I used to get fairly tan. And now at this point, I really have to make sure to put the, the sunscreen yeah. on. Because I just don't, I don't tan like I used to because I don't go as often. But it was, um, it was so much fun. We took the dogs down to the beach and uh, just a just a really good time. And I, I if even if you can't go to the beach or whatever, just any sort of decompression at this point, just to get your mind off of everything, is really necessary. Really, um, it's it was so great to just kind of let my mind wander. I read some books. I'm like halfway through that Lovecraft country book before I watched the TV show. It's a very good book. Uh, And I hear the TV show is quite good as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited to watch that. It's, um, I mean, just sitting on the beach reading a book for four hours is a good time. Going out in the ocean every couple chapters or so. It was just awesome. So that's that's kind of all I got. I just it, It was so great getting out of town, getting to the beach, hanging out with my wife and my dogs. That's the dream. That is the dream, my friend. I mean, we are already looking at planning some vacations next year. I'm telling you this. Uh, we might have to fill in some holes in our schedule a lot because Ryan's going to be gone a lot yeah, during 2021. Yeah, you got a lot of like, carryover days. I've been, I'm, dude, I'm going to be carrying over a lot of hours next year. That's for sure. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I'm glad All that you right, got to decompress it. Applications for an uh, intern. <laughs> Yeah, for an intern just for like a week or two, right? Um, putting on all of our movie series on hold. But no, uh, Jay, no, it's good to decompress. And I'm glad that you got to have that relaxation with the wife and, and the doggos and, and everything. Uh, as for me, um, you know, it's it's funny you bring up Lovecraft Country. Because uh, your boy has seen the first two episodes of Lovecraft Country. Very nice. And uh, I was privy to get that from HBO. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get perks in this business. And uh, I've actually got three more episodes to watch. Yeah, they were giving so out I've the first, the first five, five, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many and, episodes? Is it a 10-episode uh, season, I assume? It's a 10-episode yep. season. So I got half of the thing. Um, and I've seen the first two. And I have to tell you that it is extraordinary. And nice. it's... Uh, Will fill anyone's the book is, the hole. The book is very, very good. Yeah, I, and what I will say is that they, the creators of this show, have you know have taken this story that's in the the book that you're reading and really tied in a lot of themes from today and the past as well. Um, it's a very timely show um, for reasons I will not get into for spoilers, but I will say that it premieres this week on on HBO. And I think that this will be HBO's next big thing. I think this will be on the level 
for them over the next couple of years of Game of Thrones more than something like Westworld ever was. Wow. Yeah, this this is very entertaining. It reminds me a lot of what I love about like Lost, but then also what I love about Jordan Peele's work, but then I also loved about the creator of the show. She created Underground, which was a show on WGN a couple years ago, and that was a very interesting show so is peel is peel involved Peel's he's an exact yeah this, he's right? an executive as is abrams. abrams so you got yes. that lost peel you're not you're not stretching too far to bring those two up no i'm not and you know what i love about it is it, it does lean a little bit on them you know um in terms of what they bring but uh misha green is the is the the real star of this as the creator and the writer um, mm-hmm. behind most of this and she and she she can write scenes and damn Jay I just I just gotta say it Jonathan Majors that guy can act he he's is a star he's he's really a star. phenomenal in this show yeah he's and awesome I've, I mean he's awesome in everything it takes a lot within two episodes to get me emotionally attached to characters as you know uh, for television shows it takes me a while and uh, if you don't hook me within the first couple I am gone like I will not watch you. And yeah, I was I was getting a little teary eyed. I was getting a little hashtag JD tears by the end of the second episode. Now that dude, I mean that dude's truly a talent. Yes, I mean he's extraordinary, and uh, I'm glad somebody gave him a lead performance. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Last Black Man in San Francisco. I, it feels like a co lead. This is really where he gets to shine a lot. This is also a much larger scale. Yes, it's production. It's, it's something where. I hope everyone gets to. It's going to get a lot of eyeballs. Exactly, on it. just like kind of you know, even though he has a small performance in Defy Bloods, he's very good in that too. Oh, he's awesome. I mean, no, he's no. he's just he's riding he's high awesome. right now, I mean, man. Spike Lee, Spike Lee speaks up for him, and that's good enough for me. That, yeah, that's that is for me as well. And then you know, um, the music in it too, the whole thing. You're gonna you're gonna absolutely love it. If you're loving the book, Jay, you're gonna absolutely love it. I love it. I. I can't wait for everybody to see it, and it's gonna. I think it's gonna bring some great discourse. And HBO, man, they're just the best at turning out content. And they had Watchmen earlier this year. They got this. I mean, yeah. And you guys reviewed American Pickle, which you both adored. Yeah, and I, well, not so much there, but I didn't. I, but, I don't like American Pickle yeah, we, for the record. Not a, a fan. That's a sour pickle, there, man. But no. Hey-o. And then if I could recommend anything to wait, you know, over the next couple of days to binge something over this weekend is uh, the Perry Mason remake that the HBO just did. Uh, is it actually good? It's actually pretty damn good. I actually, you know, the first episode was okay, but it, it starts building as it goes. And by the end, I was really hooked and I truly cannot wait for a second season. I don't understand how you watch all this stuff. <laughs> I don't get it. I watch them week to week and uh, it's something I do with Although I do watch, I do watch an unbelievable amount of movies. Yeah. So. so, I mean, you watch unbelievable amount of movies. I watch stuff with the wife. Plus you just Plug watch all the new, you, you watch all the new stuff. I try to watch, I, I, I try respect to, that. I try to get yeah. the new stuff in. I try to see if it's worth my time, man. You know, uh, and yeah, I do go. I try to go back and watch old shows. You know what I mean? Like I, I fit those six seasons of Shit's Creek into this quarantine as well somehow. So that, um, that classic television program from 2015. <laughs> well, I mean, six seasons. That's a lot to fit in, and it's it is a lot to fit and in. It is. And a I fit- started watching that and. I enjoyed it well enough, but I just stopped after two seasons. Oh. I don't know my my patience with TV shows. You got it. Really oh man, you got to finish that thing. It's so damn good. It's so great. I loved it. Um, but uh, I guess that's been TV Corner here on In Session Film. But with that, that'll wrap up this week's show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Peace.